Our reading is from Genesis chapters 48 and 49. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim in his right hand toward Israel's left hand, and Manasseh in his left hand toward Israel's right hand, and brought them near him. And Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on the head of Ephraim, who was the younger, and his left hand on the head of Manasseh, crossing his hands, for Manasseh was the firstborn. And he blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the boys. And in them let my name be carried on, and the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. Then Jacob called his sons and said, Gather yourselves together, that I may tell you what shall happen to you in days to come. Judah is a lion's cub. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He stooped down. He crouched as a lion and as a lioness. Who dares rouse him? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until tribute comes to him. And to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. Binding his foal to the vine and his donkey's colt to the choice vine, he has washed his garments in wine and his vesture in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine and his teeth whiter than milk. All these are the 12 tribes of Israel. This is what their father said to them as he blessed them, blessing each with the blessing suitable to him. The word of the Lord. Dear God, you are our king. And this is good news. And not only are you the king on the throne, but you invite us to approach you and to even tell you what's on our, going on in our minds and our hearts and lives because you want to leave the throne and have us walk with you through life. It's pretty amazing news. As we again come to your word, we sit with you and say, teach us and instruct us. We want you to be Lord over all our lives. We pray for anyone here this morning that is still trying to figure out who you are and what that might mean for them. We pray that you would touch them clearly through different parts of this service, through this sermon, but also the other things we do this morning. And we pray that all of us would know the warmth of you as we gather, a reminder that you made us a part of this family, your global family, and that we can sing together. In your name, amen. Amen. How many of you have ever been on a hike? Almost a sticky way at looking around. Pretty much everybody, some hike. And, and on a hike, you know, if you're trying to find your way, what do you do, right? Like, let's say you're, I like the Billy Goat Trail. We used to take our kids there a lot when they were younger on the Billy Goat Trail. And there's definitely some places on the Billy Goat Trail where you look and go, I'm not quite sure where to go, right? Like, there's certain landmarks that are twisted around. And someone kindly has gone through the trail both directions and done what to the trees to help us on a hike, Little paint, right? Little swipe, swipe. Blue paint one way, yellow the other way. Those swipes guide you. Now, you may need to look around sometimes and get down and realize, oh, one's higher in a tree than you thought or off over here than you thought, but they help guide you to the right way to live on the trail, right? And this morning, we are finishing Genesis. Okay, you started, we started together. I was actually here that Sunday, June 5th, 
And we have been in the book of Genesis since then, almost six months of walking through the book of Genesis together, immersing ourselves and soaking in that glorious book. How many of you have been here at least one week as we've gone through Genesis since June 5th? Pretty much everybody. How many of you could, if, take a second, think, what is one thing you remember from those weeks? Is there anything? It's really a question for Johnny and I, what kind of job we've done. Um, but we've been through all these different stories, all these different people. And I was thinking this week, you know, as we finish Genesis, we're not trying to just wrap it in a bow and go, oh, good, we're done. Did Genesis, check. But much more, what I want to do this morning is, is swipe some paint on a tree to use Genesis as a way. This is the invitation to live. The reason we've been in Genesis is not as an academic exercise, right? We've been in it. Because Genesis is inviting us into how to live. We've, we've said this several times throughout the series, that it's a, a theological and a pastoral statement addressed to a real historical problem. The goal of Genesis is to help us find a ground for faith in this God of the, the book, Yahweh. When our experience seems to deny the rule of this God, the text is a ground for faith and its affirmation is this. This God can be trusted, in this great phrase we've used several times from John Calvin, even in affairs of perplexity. Even in affairs, excuse me, affairs of perplexity. And many of you over the last couple of weeks, I've, again, only been full-time on staff with you for about seven weeks now. Many of you have sent me emails as I asked about who you are and things going on in a picture and I can assure you in this room, there are affairs of perplexity and people eagerly holding fast to God. Now, why can we do that? What has Genesis taught us? It's invited us to do something, but why? Because what we've also seen is God's constant, covenantal, passionate, loving kindness for you and me. This sense that you matter to the eternal God of the universe is worth your trust. Remember, it's this word hesed, H-E-S-E-D. And one attribute of this hesed is God wants to bless you. We looked at it back in Genesis 1. God forms and fills the earth and he blesses it. And that word has been stitched throughout the book and you heard it several times read this morning. It's breathtaking. God created this world, it's full of his love, and he wants that love to bless me. Oh shoot, Genesis three we found out, we kind of broke that pattern. What if, just, if Genesis ended there? But it didn't. And what we've studied since then, since Genesis three is, oh, God is still pursuing us to bless us. And he's particularly doing it through this specific family demonstrating that covenantal love to Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Rebekah. For months now, what we've seen these patriarchs and matriarchs do is in fact demonstrate the trust and faith that the book is inviting us to demonstrate as well. Trust the hesed of this God who wants to bless you. In our readings this morning, we return to our good buddy Jacob. We've been reading about Jacob since Genesis 25, almost half the whole book. And he is now 147 years old. He's been in Egypt 17 years. 
with his son Joseph and the rest of his family. And he has realized for himself how amazing the hesed and the blessing of God are, so much so that he wants to give them away. Which if you step back and think about it, if that's true of Jacob, it's astounding, right? Because the whole point of his story over and over was to remind us he was trying to grasp the blessing, literally from the womb, coming out of his mother. He's grasping on, trying to get the blessing. It's the driver of his whole life. Beg, borrow, connive, plan, grasp, grasp, grasp the blessing. Now he wants to give it away. Many of us will start either today or tomorrow to watch the World Cup, right, in soccer. These, these 32 teams are gonna try to, to win a trophy that they're gonna hold at the end. When the captain will stand up, he'll be grasping the trophy. And what's, it would be like if Brazil wins, which some of us think they might, and they had the trophy and they stood up and they just said, great, we're gonna give this trophy. The reason we want it was to give it to the team from Argentina. International trouble if that happened. Here is Jacob with the blessing and he's looking and saying, I am going to give it away. After 17 years in Egypt, after finding out Joseph was still alive, after having 12 sons, traveling from Canaan to Egypt, on and on and on, he has learned that God's Hesed blessing didn't need to be grasped. It was already grasping him the entire time. We saw even a few weeks ago when we first looked at Jacob after he left his uncle, that great verse from chapter 32 O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, I am not worthy of the least of all the deeds of steadfast love, that's Hesed, and all the faithfulness you have shown to me. That path, what was going on in Jacob there, that growth in Yahweh was continuing until where we are now. 37 times in Jacob's life, the word bless is used. Out of 24 chapters, nine of those times, a fourth, are in chapters 48 and 49. How's he going to bless? First, in chapter 48, he's gonna bless Joseph's oldest sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. He calls them to him, and he, he lays his hands on them, and he blesses them. It's this lovely prayer of worship. It's poetic and beautiful. This is chapter 48, verses 15 and 16 again. The, the God before whom my father Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the boys. You can, you can feel, it's almost like a waltz. Whew, whew, whew. This is what a patriarch and matriarch do. They receive that blessing and they pass it on. God blesses, he bless me, I bless you to go bless. So first he's gonna bless Joseph's sons in chapter 48, then he's gonna bless his sons in chapter 49. The longest poem we have in all of Genesis is chapter 49. And he continues to bless. This is a separate event from chapter 48. He calls all of his sons together, all 12. And chapter 49, verse 28 is this great summary statement of what he's doing. This is what their father said to them as he blessed them, blessing each with the blessing suitable to him. The narrator wants you to understand what's happening. Three times. He blessed them, he blessed them, he's blessing them, blessing them. Okay, we, thank you. I get it. 
Sadly, some are gonna throw God's blessing away. So if you go and read that poem for yourself, you'll see some of the blessings are lavish and robust and some commentators call anti-blessings because it's, it's really as much a testament about how they're gonna live with God in the future as it is a blessing. So this entire book, chapter one to chapter 49, is marked by blessing. And I'm gonna, I wanna paint five swipes on a tree on how it can guide us on our way and give a couple encouragements at the end for the next few weeks. So the first swipe, whoosh, you're, in a, you're in a tree on the Billy Goat Trail. Blessing is rooted in who God is. Blessing is rooted in who God is. The substance of the blessing to Ephraim and Manasseh is completely focused on God. Again, that waltz, that lyric poem over the sons of Joseph. The God before whom did this. The God who, the angel who. Remember, we've seen several times that Jacob has been face to face with angels. He knows he's been face to face with Yahweh. The blessing here concerns the one on whom Jacob relied, with whom he has wrestled and by whom he has been kept and surprised. What that means is Jacob is asking God to bless them. He's blessing them sort of as a junior partner. But the real blessing is from God. He's just sort of the connector. He's like, he's received, and he, it's like a hot potato. He didn't even want to touch it. This is from Yahweh here. You, I want it for you. It's motivated by a posture of thanks and gratitude for all the ways God's blessed him. So blessing first starts in God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's a fundamental part of who he is. That means that when you and I get to bless somebody else, we are acting in the image of God, which is why it's so fun. Think about the people who have blessed you. It was fun for them to do. Think about people you have blessed, an encouraging word, a gift, a meal, something thoughtful. Was it terrible? Did it burn? <laughs> Put you in pain, or did it, was it fun? Because it's from God, and God is fun. God loves to bless. So Jacob is having a ball at 147 years old as he prays for his two grandsons. So swipe number one, blessing starts with God. Swipe number two, what does it look like when we bless? What can we expect? An easy life, no car trouble, we'll all be millionaires, all our kids will always be okay. If I trust God's blessings, what can I expect? Jacob's prayer to his sons in chapter 49 describes two major themes in God's blessings. The first is victory. People who are blessed by Yahweh go out and live and conquer. His sons have victory over enemies as long as they are faithful to Yahweh. The second thing he describes is bounty, abundance. Now, if we watch those same things and experiences happen in the life of the patriarchs, particularly Jacob. Remember Jacob, when he left his mother and father and went to his uncle because he's worried his brother's gonna kill him, he went with nothing. He shows up right before Laban with what was his pillow? A very lavish 800 thread count rock. But God watched over him and now he's praying in Egypt with 12 sons and hundreds of sheep and hundreds of goats. He also, when he was returning from Laban, remember he's confronted with Esau, right? He's scared that Esau's gonna kill him. But God goes before him with Esau, and Esau instead comes and they befriend each other again. He's protected. He has victory. 
Ask for yourself if, if you got up every day convinced, utterly convinced, that these two aspects of God's character, he was gonna give you victory and he was gonna provide, what might that do to our fears and our concerns and our anxieties? I'm grasped in God's hesed, he will, he will give me victory, he will use me to push back the darkness in my life and the lives of others, and I will have enough. Indeed, I will have more than enough. This is what Jacob finally believes and is passing on to his sons and to his sons and daughters and his grandsons and granddaughters and to you and me. Now, Jacob knows their life's not gonna be easy. Jacob has a sense they're, they're gonna be in Egypt a long time. Things were hard, but he's believing in Yahweh for the long haul and God's timeline. There's a really beautiful, subtle way we see all that has happened, how Hesed has changed Jacob's life in between the lines of chapters 48 and 49. Who was Jacob's favorite wife, Rachel or Leah? Who would you expect Jacob to be buried with, Rachel or Leah? Rachel. Rachel dies on the way back to Canaan in Bethlehem. Come back to Bethlehem in a few weeks. But she's buried there. Leah passes away in Canaan and is buried in the cave with Abraham and Isaac and Sarah and Rebekah. Jacob makes his sons swear on his life that when they leave Egypt, he's to be buried with Leah. If you race through the text, you miss it. What is he saying? I am so dedicated to God's victory and blessing. I'm so convinced of his hesed that I will live in faith and I wanna be planted where I'm supposed to be with my ancestors because we're supposed to be in Canaan because remember the two themes that God is stitching that we've said to Abraham and his future are the seed and the, the land. God's hesed looks like victory and bounty in his timeline. And this man who was so graspy is saying, I need to be buried with Leah in the cave instead of with my beloved Rachel in Bethlehem because I know what God's gonna do in centuries and I will trust and obey. It's really beautiful. Whew. Two swipes on the trees. The third swipe Blessing, God's blessings always have surprising recipients. Another way to say that is God's blessing and his pattern of blessing in our lives is beyond our categories. Another way to say that at God's Thanksgiving table there will be people that you and I would not expect or even want to be there. Chapter 48, Joseph brings his sons and he puts the right hand of his father on his oldest son and the left hand of his father on the youngest son because that's how you bless, Right? What does Jacob do if you've read the text before? Whoosh. Because what was Jacob, the older or the younger? Younger. And Jacob has finally learned that God's ways are different and God's ways bless his surprising recipients. And what he knows from God is I'm supposed to bless Ephraim first. He's gonna be the, the more pronounced son. 
It's gonna have more tribes. It's gonna have a bigger role in the northern kingdom of Israel. They're actually gonna describe the northern kingdom of Israel sometimes as Ephraim. Manasseh's still gonna be pretty great. He's one of the 12. He's gonna have ancestors. He's gonna be a part of the tribes that go in and take over Canaan after being in the wilderness. But he's not Ephraim. Joseph doesn't like that. So if you read, Joseph's trying to go, well, my dad's eyesight's not great. I'm gonna pull his hands. Nope. Jacob says, no, that's not how it's gonna go. Knowing what you know about the 12 sons of Jacob and how he views those sons, who do you think he would pronounce as the, the favored son to carry on the line to bring the Messiah? Joseph, right? Joseph's the prime minister. He's basically providing the financial and, and political protection for his brothers and sisters and their kids. But instead, if you read chapter 49, who gets the big pronouncement? Judah. Joseph, again, gets a fantastic blessing. It's a lovely prayer. There's 25 verses. 10 of the verses are about Joseph and Judah. But Judah gets five. Judah, who was a part of selling Joseph into slavery. Judas, who does some other dumb, terrible things in chapter 38. We're not gonna talk about that. Judas, who blows it, but who repents. And God's categories of blessing of Hesed are bigger than yours and mine. They include me in his kingdom, they include you. And he also includes Judah, who's gonna be the lion of Judah and where we're gonna get David and where we're gonna get Solomon and we're ultimately in a few weeks gonna celebrate because that's how we got Jesus. What's God's blessing look like? It looks like very surprising categories. And if you're here this morning and you think these people, they must know something, but if you really knew me, if you really knew my history, if you really knew about me, you would know I shouldn't be here or the God that you are talking about would never have arms big enough or categories big enough for me. To that news, Jacob and Judah would say, ha, 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 come on in. Join the rest of us. Be blessed. Whoosh. Swipe number four. God's blessings roll from older to younger. God's blessings roll from older to younger. Earlier, if you read a couple chapters earlier, Jacob actually blesses Pharaoh. It's assumable that Pharaoh is younger than Jacob when Jacob gets to Egypt, maybe a lot younger. Maybe he's like an 18-year-old Pharaoh. But he, he wants Jacob's blessing because it's seen as a revered thing to have an older, wise person to bless. Jacob, when he got to Egypt, was 130 years old. Remember, he's walking with a limp. He probably looks pretty impressive. Big guy. Abraham's older blesses Isaac. Isaac's older blesses Jacob. Then all the 12 sons who are younger, plus Joseph's two who are probably younger than his uncles, their uncles. This is what patriarchs and matriarchs who are mature do. We've talked about type scenes before. Older, wise people of the Lord blessing younger is a type scene in the Bible. We've seen God work. We followed him. We trusted. We want to invite you along the journey. You will be blessed. They could be chronologically older, there's a, a number of us who have gray hair in the church. Could be those of us who are older with gray hair. Could be spiritually older. Maybe you're the spiritually older senior in the high school ministry. And one of your roles is to bless the freshman or an older teammate in a team and you bless the younger teammates. Or you're an older sibling and you bless the younger kids. But a lovely sign of our spiritual maturity would be ask and answer for yourself, who have I blessed this week? In my circle of friends, am I a blesser or a grasper? 
we probably would all say, well, I'm not perfectly mature, but we probably all overestimate our maturity a little bit because we're, you know, optimistic. But what kind of blessers are we? As you exit the house this week, will you think, I'm gonna be a blesser? Or I'm mature enough that I, I, I probably should, I wanna grow. Maybe you're here and you wanna say, I wanna grow with God. I wanna live into God's chesed. Then I would encourage you this week, go bless. Think about how to bless. Be like Jacob. Know that God is patient with us. Remember, Jacob's 147. We met him when he was probably a late teenager. So we're looking at like a 100-year span here. God is patient with us. But blessing flows from more mature, from older to younger, less mature. Fifth swipe, my last paint swipe. God's blessing on us, on Jacob, is to spill forward like Jacob's. Another way to say this, you have been blessed to be a blessing. This started with Abraham. Go back, the word blessing is used over and over and over again in the first four verses of chapter 12 of Genesis. Because Abraham's gonna take that blessing and spread it through the world. He's blessed to be a blessing. He's not supposed to hold on to it. Jacob here is overflowing with blessings to others. Again, ask yourself, if I'm a mature, growing follower of Jesus, am I a blesser or a grasper? When people are with me, do my words bring bounty, encouragement, affirmation? Do I give my time, my listening, my money, my love in a bountiful, blessed way? The way God has given to us. The way the hesed we've seen in Genesis has been poured out on you and me. When people are with me, do they sense they, they're victorious, they're affirmed, their courage has grown. They can push back the darkness in their own life. Or are we complainers or self-absorbed? Or the world has to be about us? Or we're always wondering when we will be taken care of? Or we're jealous because God seems to provide bounty to somebody else in the area that we might want? I'd like to give two real specific encouragements of how we can lean into this this story we've been in, again, as a guide, not a box to check, over the next couple weeks. First, this week, as we head into Thanksgiving, many of us are gonna head out in the next day or two or welcome people in for Thanksgiving. Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be fabulous if because of God's hesed to us this week, we were overflowing blessers? If the simple response to our spending six months in Genesis would be this week, this community goes out and just blesses the socks off of people. Picture you're at a Thanksgiving meal where, where you're gonna be on Thanksgiving and, and people know you love Jesus. You might, it's very possible many of us will be in rooms with people who don't know God or even are angry at us that we might have faith or doubt our faith or think we're crazy. And you're sitting there full of the hesed of God, but what you're sort of psychologically doing is grasping all the food. Maybe physically you start to grasp all the food. Yeah, I'm so blessed. I'm sticking rolls in your mouth, getting the pie and everything. You're like, yeah, I am so blessed. Real glad for y'all to be here. So what you really do is just grasp me it all for yourself. Or picture you're somebody who helps set the table. Who, who verbalizes your thanks, who listens to others tell their story less in a way to make sure you get your story in, who makes it about, again, somewhere else. Maybe you don't even like the food. We have that conversation in our house now where kids are old enough to be like, you know, we don't really like turkey. Why do we do Thanksgiving? Nobody asked you, but... 
But picture you're in the room and you're like, I'm gonna be a blesser. My role here is to be a blesser. Nobody really cares if you don't like pumpkin pie on Thanksgiving. Just bless. Because God's love for you is so abounding, you can demonstrate that love in a selfless way. Now you might say to me, Dean, you don't know, there's enemies at my table, and literally you might feel that way as you're with these people. They're gonna talk about this political view and I have this political view or my sister and I have never gotten along or she always got everything and I never did or my brother and I don't agree about anything and there's no way the Bible understands that and again, I would say to you, well, just read Jacob and Esau. They pretty much hated each other and by the end, Jacob is blessing the generations because I, I bet if we took a poll on people you have conflict within that intimate setting, that those people are grasping for something and you're either both grasping for it or you both want it and what they desperately really need is someone to bless them. So again, what if in a week people around this community ran into people and were like, did you have somebody from that church at your table? It was astounding. They were such a blessing to be with. So that's for this week. What a, a, an encouragement for all of us, myself included. Second, in, the, in a week, we start Advent, as Johnny said, begin the service, the kickoff of the new year, ushering into Christmas. And I'm super excited about what we're gonna study in Advent. We've been in Genesis, we're gonna be in Ruth, the book of Ruth for the four Sundays in Advent. Ruth is my absolute favorite book of the Bible. If you think I'm excited now, wait till next Sunday. (laughs) Now, you and I have been blessed to be a blessing. And I can assure you, Ruth will just blow people's minds. And if you have people who ask, in your life, who ask questions like this, or think this way, I am too far from God. There's no way that the people you gather with on Sunday would ever be as far from God as me. Or I think the Bible is boring. Or I bet Jesus and your church don't really affirm women. Or I bet you guys don't even understand that, that there are different ethnicities that, that are in the world that matter, or that would be a part of God's story or that the Bible is not artful. I would encourage you to think about who you can pray and invite to be blessed for the next four Sundays. I guarantee you, I mean, here's my promise. If you invite somebody and they come for at least one week and they say to you they were bored, I will buy that person a $10 Starbucks card and I'll expense it to Johnny. No, I will pay for it. I I dare any of your friends to come here for at least one Sunday during Advent or all four and be bored with the Bible and the story of Ruth and God's Hesed, which is the central theme of Ruth for them. They might not like where it lands. They might think, no, for me, but I dare them to come. But we need you who have been blessed to bountifully invite them because God's chesed has poured forth on you. They need him 
And they need us to tell them. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for Jacob's honest story here. He for sure took a while to understand your love for him, but boy, it transformed him. And we are in such debt to him that he blessed so lavishly. What a primer on what it looks like to trust you. So we, we come. These men and women did not gather here because they don't want to trust you. But they might have gathered with real difficulty in trusting you. Because the affairs of perplexity are just loud. And trusting you is hard. It does feel easier to grasp. It, there are lots of days. I think if I could grasp my way out of this, it'd probably be quicker than the way God wants. Be faster. I bet it maybe even could do a better job than you do. And I bet lots of us think that way. So we, we who have been blessed offer ourselves to you and ask you to give us ways and the courage to be blessers this week. I pray even now you would bring people we know to mind who might really want to be invited, who might want to stitch this rhythm the next four Sundays into being with us and learning about Jesus and Ruth and just how lavish your love for them is. Would you put their names in our mind and their names on our lips? And again, give us the courage and intentionality to invite somebody, whether they're at work or a neighbor or a family member. Say, hey, come. Come be a part of this thing we're gonna do for, Easter, for Christmas and Advent, we pray. We ask you for your strength. We ask you to help us. We thank you for all that we have to be thankful for, particularly this week. And again, we thank you for Genesis and what it's meant. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Be